0: Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of the glorious rugby podcast, a fan-centric podcast that covers all things Old Glory DC and Major League Rugby. I'm one of your co-hosts, John Fitzpatrick, from Rugby Morning, and joining me for each and every single episode is Alistair Kirsch P, how you doing this morning?
1: I'm doing very well. Excited to be getting this
0: podcast off the ground. Let's talk about that a little bit. What kind of brought this idea together. Why now? Who are you? Who am I? Let's, let's chat briefly about what, what this is all about.
1: So my name's Alistair Kirschpool, as he said, and um, I grew up playing rugby. My, I come from a rugby family and I didn't hear about NLR until I, I stumbled across the, the Wikipedia page and found out that there was a new team coming to D.C. And so I started trying to look it up, find it on the internet, and there was, was almost nothing being a startup league, a niche sport. And so I just started writing my own stuff. And that's where Glorious Rugby came from. And it's it's been growing over the years. I've written a lot for it um, two, over 200 articles, wow. quarter of a million words. Wow. It's been that's a journey.
0: Awesome. Um <laughs> And you're a season ticket holder uh, for Old Glory DC? Were, were, oh, okay. fair, to, fair to call you a DC super fan? Yeah,
1: I think that's fair. Okay, that's The amount oh, that's of good. time, thought, money I put into <laughs> Old Glory, I think a super fan is appropriate.
0: You know what, it's gonna pay off because we'll talk about what happened last year, but I'm very optimistic for this year. So I'll, I'll, I'll introduce myself briefly, John Fitzpatrick from Rugby Morning. I write yeah, a daily newsletter you? Yeah, who am I? This guy over here you're hearing from uh, I curate a, a newsletter That takes some of the top rugby news from around the U.S. And share links And I get to share podcasts and writers Like AKP who are writing over 200,000 words a year I heard that number right About all their favorite MLR clubs And I think that's what's kind of One of the reasons why We started talking about this And why we wanted to come up with this idea Of doing a podcast about Glory DC Is that there's been a lot of fan podcasts that have sprung up around MLR clubs, but there hasn't really been one around Old Glory DC. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the first official fan podcast of Old Glory DC Rugby?
1: Yeah, the first unofficial <laughs> podcast by fans. Officially the first unofficial podcast for Old Glory.
0: Is that our new tagline? Old <laughs>
1: Glory is great. It's the official podcast, but we're the, the official first unofficial podcast.
0: Road to Glory is a great podcast but it is by the team um, and they they do great stuff Um, we'll do a little different uh, spin on that so I guess let's talk about it what can fans of Old Glory DC fans of this podcast presumably there will be a few what can they expect from us from this podcast this year how often are we going to talk what are we going to talk about are we going to be serious are we going to be funny break it down for us yeah
1: well um we're really going to try and capture the fan voice, whether we're funny or not, I guess uh, we nice to be seen. <laughs> That's uh, in the eye holder for the year, <laughs> I guess. It's audio medium. Um, yeah, we're going to try and get one episode out every week during the season. We're going to... Recap the the match the previous week. We're gonna give our thoughts on it, our frustrations, our excitements. Like talk about who did well, who could do better. Um, we're also gonna give a preview for the next se- for the next match. Uh, give our our predictions. We'll we'll see who's who's right more often this season. <laughs> um, yeah, and then that'll come out every Tuesday morning. And we'll be trying to keep it short for, there's a lot of long podcasts out there. You can can find them, they go hour, hour and a half, two hours, and we don't really have the time for that. So we're going to be aiming for half an hour, 45 minutes at the most, so keeping it short for you guys.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good sweet spot, right, where we can share enough insight, share enough opinion, have a little fun with it, still be able to um, have an entertaining podcast and I think that's the aim for all of this right is that this should be fun and cheering for your favorite MLR team should be fun so the podcast should be fun and we'll try and reflect it as much as possible and of course we'll be sharing you know our picks and things like that and we'll be interacting with folks on social so of course we'll you know we'll see you out there on the interwebs and, and having fun but um as AKP said we are going to come out every week Tuesday morning we're gonna we're gonna try and stick to that throughout the MLR season if there's other big temple events that are going on in rugby rugby world cup things like that we'll we'll chat about that if it's got some connection to old glory DC we'll certainly find a way to chat about it but we're gonna stick to this we're gonna try and stick to this once a week format um and we're gonna see how this goes so I'm excited for it um it's going to be a commitment, but I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And there may be some surprising things we do throughout the season, because we ba- we both may be attending quite a few games. We might try and see if we can do some live stuff. We'll see. We're going to mix things up. Maybe some interviews with players and coaching staff after the games. I don't know. They'll have to say yes to that, but we'll figure it out as we go along. We'll figure it out. So, all right, let's yeah, let's take a look back. So last season. A rough season, three and thirteen. Certainly not probably what fans expected of the team. And certainly there's been some some changeover. Again, three and thirteen. Some injuries, coaching change midway through the season. Andrew Douglas left after what three or four years. They brought in an interim coach, former Nola Gold head coach Nate Osborne. The team maybe had some inspired play afterwards, um, a couple of wins there. But uh, in the off season, Old Glory DC brought in a brand new head coach. Josh Sims, um, talent out of NPC, and there seems to be quite a pipeline coming from NPC um, in New Zealand, whether it's players or coaches. But, Houser, let's talk a little bit about um, kind of your quick review of last season. What was kind of your main takeaways from last season as we look into the 2023 season?
1: Yeah, last season was a a rough one. I mean, you know, we had our – the, the team's biggest ever defeats, you know, blowout losses right at the beginning of the season. But I, I kind of write those off as those were, those were an edge case. We had a lot of injuries and visa problems going in, so we we were missing like half of our, our starting lineup, uh, those first games or more. It was, it was a, a huge number of people out, um. And so, and so like yeah, you, we were playing a lot of young guys, a lot of like guys who. would you know, we're getting their debuts right at the beginning of the season. It, it went badly as you'd expect. But then even as we got people like back into the team, it was still pretty rough and we weren't doing, we weren't doing that badly, but we would just, we would get down early in a game. You know, we'd, we'd give them like 14 points right off the bat. And then mm-hmm. we would, we'd keep pace with them the rest of the time. And that, you yeah. know, that's not enough when you're already 14 points down. So It yeah. And some of that was some of that was players not quite turning out as you expect, or Fly Half who was new that year, like he he didn't never really quite did what you'd hope he'd do, like provide that spark and Yeah. It but then it was also some coaching stuff, some tactical stuff, like there were there were regular problems that we just Repeated problems every week that we just couldn't seem to solve. Like, there was, it can go right through the, the mm-hmm. ruck. It happened like every game, sometimes multiple times a game, and you're like, guys, I can see this. You can see this. Why is this still a problem?
0: I mean, you hit on this earlier. So, um, it was, although there were games where Old Glory got a lot of points dropped on them we didn't have trouble scoring points for the most part. I mean, there was some exciting backline play. Like, the guys were, were springing loose and, and, and some long runs, which was great to see. But, I mean, you you you, you kind of nailed it there. It seems like we could, yeah, we would get some points scored on us real early, but and we would hang around but by that 60th, 65th minute when you saw a lot more um, changes coming on the field and fresh players. I think that's when our lack of depth really got exposed and it seemed like in a lot of those games that final quarter was when i hate to say it but things kind of like fell apart or the game just got out of reach and it was you know kind of um, yeah. back to the same script again um so certainly changing that and maybe that's just a defensive mindset or tweaks and maybe as you suggested that with a new coaching regime coming in there's going to be some changes there um and you hope that stuff gets that gets fixed um Because if you look at the numbers, I mean, I think we, the Oglor, I keep saying, we, I guess we, yeah, we, the fans, felt like, if you look at the the stats, only the Dallas Jackals had more points scored against them, I believe. Yeah. Dallas went over 16. They allowed a lot of points. Yeah.
1: And, yeah, and, you know, Josh Sims coming in, he's a defensive-minded coach. He's, uh, you know, he's coming from being a, a defensive coach in the NPC before he was a head coach. So, like, hopefully he'll be able to fix a bunch of that stuff. But then also, like you said, recapture some of that, that, like, late season fire that we had. Because we were scoring so many points at the end of the season. I mean, it's not a coincidence that, like, our fly half, who wasn't really that great, still in the top ten of point scores in the, in last season. You Like, look at the, the top ten uh, try scores. We had two players, in
0: the, yeah, yeah, uh,
1: tied for fourth in yeah. that list, and we had a another player who was tied for tenth. So like, there was there were plenty of, of people, like, there was plenty of points being scored, plenty of tries being scored. We had the potential, and we scored, you know, like, we're scoring like 40 points a game, and if we can recapture that while bringing the defense a bit more in control because while we were scoring 40 points a game, we were giving up 45 or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were still
1: losing those games, but, you know, that's that's something. And honestly, if we're going to lose games, I would rather lose them like 45 to 40 than like, you know, 10 to 0 or whatever.
0: <laughs> well, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, injuries and certainly every team is going to deal with injuries and, you know, uh, depth is always going to be an issue. You got to make sure that, you know, there's enough guys getting quality minutes every game to make sure, because obviously, as we just said, injuries happen. But, you know, some of the other things that happened last season were, there were some lengthy suspensions. You know, our number eight, capped eagle, Jameson Fonnell-Schultz, missed a big portion of last season. Um, He's a guy you definitely want out there. He definitely plays with an edge. Uh, But it seems like now – You know, I hate to say it, but maybe there's a little bit of a a target on his back, whereas other teams and and coaches can kind of plan for like, hey, you chirp at him a little bit and you kind of rile him up a little bit. You could potentially get him carded and off the field and miss a couple games. Do you think there's any truth to that, or is there any way to modify that or corral that energy so it's applied more um, productively on the field? Because he's the type of guy you on—you want out there for his, his 80 minutes. That'd be ideal, right? Not missing large chunks of the season.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And, like, you know, obviously I'm not in any team's strategy planning. You're not? Once, but, like <laughs> – you've got to assume um, not yet who knows i will be a spy um, you've got to assume that like like any team that is not looking at you know, a player like Jonathan Ponanama Schultz with a record and like thinking yeah we can get him sent off like he's got a reputation now he's, he's got a like you know if we if we rile him up it, it goes to his head and like maybe he'll do something stupid and like know maybe he'll be sent off the team for the entire season again like he was at the end of last season and that's a that's a risk like he's gonna have to take and that's a something he's gonna have to address and the coaches have to address and like i feel like it's worth playing him anyway like he's he's always worth having on the field and Mm -hmm. i just hope he can (laughs) yeah stay on the field
0: yeah well, let's 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 talk a little bit about the 2023 season and, and the roster and how it's come together. Um, you know, it, there seems like there've been um, a good number of players that are coming back or have come back. Excuse me, um, which I think is tells a lot about the organization and, and guys wanting to buy back in. But um, are there one or two players that are coming back that you're most excited for in terms of okay, this is good that this player is coming back because this means we can we can build upon this.
1: Yeah, and that is an interesting point because in some ways they brought a lot of guys back. Like, almost everyone who started last year, I mean, minus the fly half and minus Renato Roberts-Tamana, who we'll get to, um, like, they're, most of the starters are coming back. And there's some very exciting starters, like you say. Jack Escaro recently capped as an eagle in the, the front row. He's looking like he'll have a you know, great, season at prompt um you've got Corey daniel also recently capped as an eagle you know he's just come out of nowhere at flanker i mean three years ago he was not wasn't even playing rugby and now he's like at the top so and he's a player who has a lot of developing to do still because he's so new to rugby like he still has unlocked potential like he's not very good at passing his when he passes the ball it's it's not great it's like sort of lobs it towards people and like he is still good enough to be on that field and so like what's another year another year of practicing passing like maybe he's better at that and that like unlocks even more of his game so he's he's just always an exciting one to watch and then you've got mike debulis who was he played like half of last year before getting injured going out for the season um injured pretty badly like it because he was also like looking like he was gonna get a bigger role in the Eagles setup and then um that intrigue just waylaid him but he's looking better now there's video of him practicing kicking balls and and he looks like he's gonna be coming back and he was electric last year when he was fit so you know you gotta you love to see that and like can't wait to see him on the the field again.
0: Absolutely. Now, we're going to talk a little bit in, in a moment about your your awesome eight-part series that broke down the positions um, for Old Glory and, and what it all means. Um, if you haven't read it, it's on Glorious Rugby. I highly recommend you do it. Um, but talking a little bit about some of the new guys that are coming to the roster, two or three guys that excite you the most um are there one or two guys or two or three guys where you're like oh wow this is this is a big this is a big signing and fans and mlr should take notice
1: yeah so old glory has had a few like huge signings in the in the offseason um kurt baker who is a like legend of new zealand sevens um and a, an absolute pest and probably despised by most of USA rugby sevens <laughs>
0: fans. I think that's fair to say. Um, he's
1: done plenty of damage. Yeah, you know what? It's time for him to contribute to the U.S. rugby scene. There this you is, go. He's done his damage. Yeah, exactly. Years. Yeah. Um, it's this his penance is his payback. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, <laughs> penance. Yeah.
1: Ugh. Um, but he's he's coming on. He's going to be a a player coach. So he yeah. How much time he spends playing versus coaching? I guess we'll see. But um, he is, yeah, he's going to be in at fullback. Yeah. And we should, our players should learn a lot from him. Yeah. And then just announced like a couple of days ago from when we're recording this, um, Ramiro Herrera, in the in the front row, um, tight head prop played a decade's worth of top 14 super rugby like, hugely experienced professional out of Argentina like, 40 some caps for the the Argentinian national team, like he's in, gonna be a, a big piece of that front row and like, single handedly changed my entire outlook on the, the front row I went from thinking that it was, it was one of the most suspect positions on the roster too. So I think it's actually probably fine. It'll probably be good. I'm excited to see Ascaro next to Herrera. And then there's Tito Diaz Bonilla, who is the our new fly half. He's also an experienced pro, like time in the top fourteen, super rugby, premiership. Actually he's been like every, every top league that exists he has played in at some point. So um, he's he's looking He looks like he'll be be great, you know, um, really dynamic, great kicker, which is something that we were missing last year, Um, both like in the field of play and for points. So, yeah, I expect expect a lot from him.
0: Yeah, I think I'm most excited about um, Bonilla as well. Um, I think, again, going back to the backline play that we had last year, I mean, I don't think we had an issue scoring points. And as you mentioned, we had two of the top – what ten um, try scores last season? They've all come back, um, and I think with a with a fly half who's got a little bit more dynamic play and can bring a little bit more of that that boot into the attack. We'll be interesting to see how that hap- how that goes uh, for this year. Um, so we're talking about we're going to talk about your eight part series here, um, and you broke it down really well. Is there one particular position group that you think Old Glory is Old Glory DC's biggest strength and what position is that
1: you know that's a that's a really good question because um there's a lot of good candidates like i think Locke is really promising but um as i'll get to later there's a a big problem with that in that three out of the four players are foreign born and that could be kind of being a pretty big problem and limiting that group I like Scrum Half because you've got Danny Tuzatala and then John Lefevre as the backup is like super, super promising as a young player. You know, American Qualified was playing yeah. the Falcons, but that group only has two players in it. It's like Scrum Half. We only have two Scrum halves, and like I'm, I'm concerned that if yeah. there's an injury or something like we could end up in some hot water there. So I'm actually going to go for the back three. Um, because they've got plenty of players. Um, you've got you know Kurt Baker, like we talked about, Mike Tabulis, like we talked about, you know, Junior Sow, and then you've got promising youngsters there as well. You've got um, John Rizzo. You've got Owen Sheehy. Like,
0: there's there's a lot of. I feel really good about that whole group. Is there one group? or one position that is a big question mark for you that you feel might be one of the, the one of the weaker points at the moment right before the season begins going into what do you yeah. think
1: um hooker hooker is is the area of concern for me um originally it was going to be prop but then we because we only had five props when i started writing the eight-part series and that was just five is not enough five isn't even enough even if you're a traveling squad going for like two matches like you've got to have yeah. more props than that but you know then we got Harara, and i think we're fine on prop now
0: yeah Harara. i mean that's a that's a pretty big story that's a pretty big signing um from Oak glory to announce it you know after the a roster was officially released to have him come on board with his international experience um you know, a little, maybe a little longer in the tooth, but certainly a big name, and has played quality competition um, to really bolster. They must have read your they must have read your one part the eight part series on on the props right before, and they're like, you know, he's right, we got to we got to bring someone else in.
1: Yeah, well, they they announced him just before the prop one went up, so which was convenient <laughs> for me. But but I think no, I think he was in the pipeline for a while, and they were yeah. there was yeah. a problem with maybe visas or yeah, you know, negotiating the deal or something. There was some reason. I'm sure that they've had him on their list and been in negotiations for a while. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think that was a last-minute signing so much as a, a last-minute confirmation. Yeah. And that's sort of part of where the concern comes, is there's a lot of uncertainty at that position. I mean, you get... So yeah. Kendo should be fine. Like, Uruguayan International... Um, he didn't have a great yeah. game when he played um, in the Autumn Internationals, but, like, what's one game? Um, he should be yeah. he should be good as a starter, but then you look at the backup, and the backup is Nick sochin out of New Zealand. So he's a foreign-born player, which means mm-hmm. that we're taking up another foreign slot. Um, and he's yep. Yep. he's been a an NPC player for like five years, and he's he's only managed to get thirteen caps in that time. He had like one good season where he got six caps in. But that was like mm-hmm. 2018 or 2019, and like in the last couple of years, he's only had like a handful of caps. So he's he's not played a lot of rugby, and like it does concern me that as someone who's sort of floating on the edges of of the MPC, are they are they going to be at the MLR level? Like the MPC is probably a higher level than the MLR is, but is it that much higher of a level? So. And, you know, he might be fine, but yeah. I don't want to, like, throw him under the bus yeah. when I haven't see, even seen him play. But, like, yeah. there's some uncertainty yeah. there. I don't I don't know that he's going to be, be great. He might be, but he might not be. And then, you know, the third poker on the roster is Koi Koi Nelligan, who we got from... We traded for San Diego from... got him in a trade with San Diego um, after the draft because yeah. they, they picked <clears throat> yeah. him up in the draft. And then our... Booker that we picked up in the draft. Jack Manzo didn't sign with the team in the end, so we picked up Boykoi Nelligan. But Nelligan was a yep. flanker in college. Now he's switching over to a highly technical right. position at hooker. I'm like, I'm right. just concerned that he might need a bit of time to get used to the, the level and the position. And, like, the issue is that I don't know if he'll get that time. Because, you know, what if Gaddis gets injured again? Okay, now it's Suchin starting, and on the bench will be Nelligan, like you know, if or if Suchin gets injured, then it's Nelligan on the bench again, and like injuries happen, like you say so like, the chance that one of them gets injured and we're putting Nelligan in, whether he's ready or not, like, that's concerningly high for me and you know, and we only have three hookers total, and like in past seasons we've had another, like Dante Lopresti, who we could move over to to the hooker if Mm -hmm. in a pinch and so that's given us sort of four players who can play the position now we're only three like a couple of injuries and we're out of hookers and like we don't have enough to to make a full roster and that's that's just like it's not a good position to be in i would have been way more comfortable if they just kept one of the one of the guys from last year around like one of the local guys you know like dante Lopresti's from the area why not just like keep him on the air in the in the roster you know Mo Katz is from the area he's not he probably still lives around yeah. here like he's probably not that expensive to keep on the roster just
0: like keep him around just in case you know I gotta imagine those considerations were probably thought through um and we probably you know we'll probably maybe see some maneuvering between now and in the you know week one considering you mentioned those two guys being local so I uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we haven't heard, if we don't hear from them or something about them over the next couple of weeks. Um, um but that brings up an interesting point, right? Yeah. Like we you know, we, we, we talked about the position that we think is at the greatest strength. We talked about maybe some question marks and some other positions, but if you look across the roster, is there one position or position group or players that may be like the biggest wild card? And what I mean by that is one that could really surprise us. Good or bad, hopefully good. Is there one is there one position where you might be like you know what this could be a surprise here and 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 we might be in store for something good what what position do you think that is yeah
1: I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the centers um which center is like not a super glamorous position because like you spend a lot of time just like hammering the ball into the line and and mostly you're there to distribute to people further down the line but like Got some great returning talent in Palatena and um, Threaten Palamo, who's when he's when he's healthy is is amazing, and Doug Fraser, Canadian international. But then there's also a couple of young guys, both out of Argentina, but both um, U.S. qualified, Marcos Young and Fairman Martinez, who are like they could be they could be pretty electric if they break through. So like I feel like there's a lot of potential for that position to get, like, really, really good, very unexpected. I feel like it's... I feel like Old Glory centers have been underrated by the MLR community as a whole, so I feel like if that... if those young guys take off, and, like, that... position really gels, and with, like, the, you know, Tito at fly half, like, you know, doing a better job of facilitating them, I feel like the centers could, could really take off and be a a like lead league-wide success this year. So there are like three things that like I'm really noticing about this roster that that like could really make or break things. Um, first of all, we're the team has taken a pretty big bet that like the amateur league in Argentina, the Urba Top 13, is at a high enough level that we can loot a bunch of their players and they'll they'll be good in in the MLR. We're getting a lot of players. Out of the argentinian amateur scene so like this will be a, a test and it's it's a bit of an experiment you know we're placing a bet that 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 level is high enough that they're going to do well here and like you know hopefully they do if they don't we could be we could be in some hot water and then we're also going for a, a like we've got we've got a lot of quality depth but we don't have a lot of quantity depth like the roster this year is went down from 42 players, I think, down to 36. So we've, we've shed a lot of players and a lot of the depth players from last year have gone. And so this year we're... And you could argue that the quality of the the roster overall has gone up. We have fewer sort of development-y type players hanging around on the edges and we're probably spending more on better players. And But, you know, if they there are fewer players. If they get injured, we could be in, in some hot water, so we're sort of taking a bet that that depth, that quality depth, is better than quantity of depth. And then the third potential issue with this roster is uh, the foreign player slots. Um, that was, uh, like, going through the, the roster, the eight-part series, I found myself every single article being like, and foreign player slots might be limited, and you know, because we have we have ten foreign player slots for the team. So that means in our our match day twenty-three we can only have ten non-US or Canadian qualified players. And right now we have fourteen foreign players on the roster. And they're all like they're almost all good players. You know, like once you're using up three for the front row and two for the locks and like one for the scrum half, one for the fly half, we're gonna have like three total foreign slots for junior Sau, um willie Talatena, lautaro bavaro um kurt baker like it's there's like a long list of players and it's like oh penny lasanga like these are all players that we're not going to be like we're going to have to pick and choose and we're going to pick three of them and the other ones are not going to be able to be in the roster and they're like top quality players so i guess if someone gets injured they can come in but like we could be the, the roster could be a little different than you expect just looking at the names because of the foreign players saw it's something to watch
0: well that's interesting right because obviously you want to try and have as much continuity from from one week to the next right where you're not constantly needing to shuffle players in and out right so players get comfortable playing with each other but based upon what you're talking about and what we've seen with the, how the rosters come together how do you how do you how do you solve that is it you taking the first month or so of games to try and figure out what we th- what we think the the starting 15 is going to be every week and and just maybe hopeful that at least you have the challenge of trying to pick some of these top players every week or is this um is this a bigger issue um that we should be concerned about
1: yeah i mean that's a good question i not a coach, and I'm not paid for that, so uh someone else's problem, fortunately. Not but, yet. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, you know, I think I think the, the preseason games are going to be really important for that. You know, yeah. Preseason games are where you get to figure out all those roster things. That's where you get to, to do those experiments. You know, they're usually unlimited subs, so you get to hook whoever you want in, and you can switch you can try as many different lineups as you want see what works so you know I, th- I think there'll be a lot of experimentation there and then yeah you always have to experiment in the season unfortunately it's not a long season so it's not like you've got like you can experiment for four or five games and then, and then you know be settled there because that's a quarter of your season third of your season
0: yeah yeah um Let's talk a little bit about preseason. So Old Glory DC has two preseason games um, that are coming up just right around the corner. First one is Friday, February 3rd at home against Rugby New York Ironworkers, which will be fun to host the defending MLR champions. You talked a little bit about experimentation. I guess, what are kind of your expectations or what should we be looking for in the the first preseason game, knowing that the result probably doesn't matter too much? Are there certain things that you're looking for that you hope to see uh, in that game? And will you be at the game?
1: Oh, I will for sure be at the game. Um, I try to go to everything all the time. Um, And as a childless person, I have that... that, that advantage, but um, yeah. I mean, I. It's always a bit difficult to to know exactly what goes on in preseason games because the, they're never recorded, so you can never go back and watch them again. um But you know, that's yeah. we we've always seen. Usually, the first preseason game, we see a lot of younger players get some time. um You know, we might we'll probably see a lot of the the less experienced guys get some minutes just to to get them some experience and usually the second game is where they they start trying to really settle the lineup like try serious uh, serious lineup so like you know against the Iron Workers I expect some unusual things I expect is um, I think Mike Weir might get a bit of time at Fly Half just to see what he's capable of Mm-hmm. You know, Dartmouth, fly half, yeah. drafted him. And like yep. it always takes a moment to get into the, the rhythm of fly half, but preseason game, who cares? So uh we might we might might see a bit of him. We might see, you know, Colin gross we Might see some Cali Martinez in the front row. Um Yeah, yeah. We we took him at third overall in the draft, so a lot of hype for him, yep. like be exciting to see whether he can hold up in the scrum, but at the same time, you know, it's, these preseason games, it's too soon to draw any conclusions about the team as a whole, but, like, if you see players playing pretty well, that's usually a good sign. Like, John Rizzo really impressed last year in the preseason games, and he's, you know, one of the few depth developmental players from last year to stick around, so it's
0: probably not a coincidence. So unfortunately, I don't think I'll be able to make the, the first preseason game. I'm actually going to be at uh, Washington, D.C. Youth Rugby, their celebration of rugby. It's the youth program that I help <clears throat> coach the U7s team. I, my son and daughter play for it. But the following week on the 10th uh, against Toronto, um, I'm in that one. So hopefully I'll be at that one, and uh, we can certainly break down and prepare for for that, um, that match, the last preseason game before the regular season kicks off, then a week later, on Saturday, February 18th, when we host the Chicago Hounds, the mashup of the L.A. Giltinis and the Austin Gilgronies, who seem to have a pretty formidable squad from what we've seen so far. They have some depth issues, potentially, but it's still a few weeks um, away. Never tell with new teams. You're absolutely right. You never know until they go out there and they blow the whistle. Actually, I'd
1: argue you can't tell with existing teams. Like, yeah. It's not just the new teams. Like, I mean, our roster is like, you know, 50% different than it was. Not quite, but like, you know, 40% of our roster is brand new this year. We've got a new coach. You're going to tell me, you know, where old Glory's going to land in the, the lineup. You know, it's, it's the same for everyone. I mean, New York has a lot of changes, New England has a lot of changes. Like, Toronto has is, is completely reworked their roster. So, like, I feel like you can never predict where where anyone's gonna end up and then chicago on top of that is brand new so yeah you won't find me you won't find me making uh predictions about the season you never know where anyone's gonna end up
0: i just hope chicago hounds have their jersey and not rugby atl's jerseys <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, but it would be easy to make the confusion, make the the switch, wouldn't it?
0: That's not that's not it's not meant to be a shot at either one of those clubs.
1: Oh man, that whole rugby ATL. <laughs> nah. Oh, I'll take shots at rugby ATL. Their branding was their rebranding was terrible.
0: You know, they're 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 um I think they're going to be they've, they've they've played well. They've been a good solid team since they joined MLR. Um branding aside, um they'll, they're they're going to be a tough challenge every single year. Yeah, they'll figure they'll, it they'll out they'll definitely figure out a little a little hiccup. In their, in their progression. But um, we'll certainly talk about Rugby ATL when we meet them in the season. Um, before we close this out on the very first episode of the season, AKP, where can people find you? On the internet, online? We won't give away your home address. That's an evasion of your privacy. Where can people find you online? <laughs>
1: um, so I write at gloriousrugby.com. Um, that website has all of my articles um, on Twitter, I'm at Alistair KP And on Reddit, I'm you slash OddballGentleman. Ah, I knew that was you. Yeah, that's
0: that's me. <laughs> so where can, where can people find you, John? Well, thanks Fitzy? for asking. Yeah, Fitzie. And that's the other thing, too. So I go by a couple of names. So my, my first name is John, but my last name is Fitzpatrick. Most people call me Fitz or Fitzy. So if you hear Fitz or Fitzy, know that's who... Um, I'm being referred to as so, and I'll go by anything, so, but Fitzy Fitzy usually works. Uh, You can find me online and on socials at at Rugby Morning. Rugbymorning.com is where I'll share the newsletter, share people's podcasts, where games you can find. And then certainly um, I get on social, on Twitter primarily, Rugby Morning, where I try and chop it up with people and make fun of Phil from the Jacks Rangers as much as I can. Who I'm sure we'll have on the show probably as we get closer to, to facing the team that is... Probably should be in Canada. That's yeah. right. Then we can make fun of him in person. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Looking forward to that. Okay, folks, thank you for listening in. Uh, we'll be back next week for AKP.